us uh, as we had the holiday uh, break there a little bit. And we come back in with, I mean, I had hoped. Happy New Year. It feels like the end of the world. That's right. Happy New Year. It's the apocalypse. Um, I had hoped that after, you know, Christmas and and the new year and everybody, you know, enjoying the holidays and having a great time with friends and family, that uh, we can come back and, and celebrate some things on the dubcast talk about how awesome everything was but instead uh, Ohio State gets skunked in the Cotton Bowl 14 to 3 in which uh, they completely waste an elite defensive performance like a really really great defensive performance uh, from Ohio State particularly the defensive line uh, and just have absolutely no <laughs> solutions or really I think more damningly ideas on offense and so that was that was bad that was really bad in a lot of ways um some of it unavoidable, but a lot of it, you know, something that should have been addressed, I think. And then, of course, you've got, uh, you know, the college football playoff semifinals. Uh, Washington beating Texas. I'm happy about that result. But then, of course, Michigan beating Alabama, which no one is happy about that result except for uh, Michigan fans. So um, let's go ahead and start with the Cotton Bowl. There's a few things that I was thinking about in the aftermath of that. I, You know, it's, it's weird because I do the... Um, I do the the social reacts post, right, where I basically troll Twitter and, and, and try to not troll, but trawl through tr- Twitter and try to find, you know, interesting reactions or videos and pictures from the game. But it's also kind of become like this, <laughs> like catharsis post, I guess, for people. It's, it's weird because I guess because it publishes so early in the morning, but um, it, it gets, you know, around 100 comments every time and people just kind of like putting out their feelings in the air, which is totally fine. I think that's, that's perfectly valid. And my point on that was I didn't really have, um, I don't know. I didn't really have a whole lot of consternation about what this game means in terms of like, you know, I don't know where Ohio state is in general for this season, 2023 and blah, blah, blah. But what really bothered me was um, the offensive line play was terrible. We're going to talk about that, but the larger issue for me was the fact that Ryan day kind of has sold himself as this guy who will make, you know, lemonade out of lemons and anything that you give him, he's going to like figure out a way to make it work, figure out a way to get points, a way to get yards. And I saw none of that creativity on Friday. I mean, granted you're down to your third string quarterback. He's got nothing going on, but maybe you put in some tight ends to help protect him a little bit. Maybe you, I don't know. I mean, they tried the wildcat a little bit and did that kind of stuff but there was no commitment to any of it. And it just felt like a guy who was really, really, um, you know, ready to run out the clock on the 2023 season. Yeah, I didn't, I wouldn't want to be leaning so much into that, but then in light of like going back and, you know, kind of some of the work that I did this past weekend, I'd be more inclined to agree with you. Um, that's mostly based on the testimony of one player in particular leading up to the cotton bowl. Um, well, let's talk about it, that. Let's, let's talk yeah. about the work that you put in on that. Cause you, I mean, first of all, people may not be fully familiar with the story because I, you know, it was definitely not something that Ohio state wanted to talk about. They kind of buried it a little bit. Uh, and you went out there and were able to find this information and then kind of break it down a little bit. So can you like summarize the whole Hensman thing, and then also uh, maybe what he said um, during that whole. Yeah, know, so I mean, I, it it it's pretty. 
uh, he didn't do anything sinister, I think, is the first thing that should be looked at here. I yeah, think I, agree. The, I agree with that. I agree with he, that. He merely violated the, the concept of loose lips sink ships, which is right. pretty prevalent in any, like, you know, team organization. Uh, if you're going to be doing media appearances, you want to be doing it in an official capacity, you know, with, you know, the, the connoisseurs like the 11 dubcast, you know, <laughs> official right. platforms, not you know not to chide the b&b podcast which is who hinsman talked to but when you connected the dots it was pretty obvious that one of them was like a basketball coach where he went to high school and the other guy was talking about like stories in which he would pass hinsman the ox if you will uh so it's you know they it's pretty obvious he was doing his buddy from high school who was like an aspiring sports yeah doing a solid yeah yeah which and, is fine. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, but it's also when you're in that situation, I think, you know, Hensman's got to know, like, this, this isn't like, this isn't barstool. Like, oh, I'm just going to hang out and be one of the bros. Like, well, that's, the that's thing, what gets you in trouble. The thing that really surprised me was that there were people that listened to the episode before of their podcast with Hensman before it got deleted from YouTube and Amazon. And they were, you know, saying, oh, he said some pretty interesting things in here. Mm-hmm. He had already, it, it was pointed out even before the day of the Cotton Bowl that Matt Jones was presumably going to get some run at center for the purpose of inflating his own NFL draft stock. Um, and that was according to Which Hinsman is himself. weird, right? Well, Isn't and Hinsman weird? didn't sound upset or perturbed by that or anything. He was just kind of talking candidly about it. Like, yeah, he's probably going to get to play a little bit in the bowl game. And even the the you could tell from Hinsman just even like saying that and willing to concede like playing time at his own position when he's been the outright starter there the whole year that there was a a sense of aloofness right. uh, going into the the Cotton Bowl which you know even we as fans had we just you know would we think that the the players are going to approach it differently just because they're already in the the full-time swing of the season uh, going back to august and training camp right so, we don't think that'll ever extend to the team right even if it, to the fans yeah what was more surprising was a lot of people overlooked the the first point that i put in that i think is really like set off a lot of uh alarms for people which is that hinsman who is a redshirt freshman, so was with the team for its preparations last year, he said that there were something like 15 to 18 practices going into the bowl site last year. Now, granted, they were playing a handful of days later than they did this year uh, and a much higher stakes game, a college football playoff game compared to merely the cotton pole now but the he he said that they had 15 to 18 practices last year versus only six this year and that many of those practices the chasm between those two numbers was replaced with light workouts as he phrased it um some people are speculating that he might have been exaggerating or that his math isn't correct all that we can really look at is the fact that there was an attempted scrubbing of this podcast appearance. So it was whether it was the host trying to protect Hinsman from himself based on what he said or Hinsman 
and the university or possibly just Hinsman himself in some capacity reaching back out and saying, we need to delete this uh, because we just don't want it on the record. It's still interesting that it was, you know, presumably taken off the widest distributing channels, but was still picked up enough elsewhere that in hindsight, after the Cotton Bowl, seeing Hinsman play zero snaps whatsoever, and then Day in his post-game press conferences not pointing to any sort of like doghouse punishment or you know benching, but just saying that he was not good in the practices leading up to the Cotton Bowl, so they decided to switch to Matt Jones, which is highly unusual given he was the starting guy for the entire regular season. So just a right. lot of really unusual um, – swirling you know watch what they do not what they say behavior or behavior you know around this yeah i mean the the biggest thing for me with the hensman stuff is that it, it's not just that he inviolate you know he violated that unspoken rule where you're just like you know like i think loose lips sink ships is probably the best way to put it i think that was a, a really good analogy because there is that kind of you know leading up to a bowl game and especially a big bowl game i mean you know, I know Ohio State wants to be in the playoff, but this is still a New Year's Six Bowl. This is not like they're going to the Alamo Bowl or the Gator Bowl or something like that. Like, this is a pretty significant game. Uh, for him to say that, oh, yeah, we weren't taking it that seriously, which is essentially what he was applying. Um, that's, I think that speaks to a lot of the anxiety and a lot of the worries that Ohio State fans have in general about the program. And then you come out and you see how the offensive line performed. And I mean, they were terrible. I mean, the, every time that Missouri brought in an extra blitzer, they had they had no solution for it. I mean, it was a sack every time. And it was it was one of those things where, uh, you know, if you've been paying attention to that story and then you saw it as an extension of the game, you were understandably freaked out. I think one of the, the stats that they had at halftime is that um, <laughs> Ohio State quarterbacks were being pressured on almost like 60% of their dropbacks. <laughs> Like that can't, that can't happen. Like that's, that's absolutely insane from a football perspective. So, you know, if you take his words as gospel, which I don't know that you necessarily can, but even if there's a grain of truth to it, it does reflect pretty poorly on Ohio state's performance, especially offensively in the bowl game. And and again, I want to emphasize it really, what was frustrating about it was, you know, obviously you're going to have issues I think on offense, I don't think anybody expected Ohio state, especially once Devin Brown went down to come out and score 40 points or 30 points, even honestly, because you're dealing with a guy who has, you know, basically no, uh, you know, college experience at all. And Lincoln Keenholz, but you've got to put him in a situation where he's going to be uh, successful, at least in the sense that he's not going to be running for his life every single play. Um, you know, You've got to get more creative. You've got to do other things. And then defensively, Ohio State was incredible. I mean, Jack Sawyer had probably his best game of his entire career. It's going to get memory hold by. And no how one's going to remember it. Exactly. Was. Exactly. No one's going to remember it. the game it. for three quarters. Yeah. The, Ohio State, that defense seemed bound to determine to win a Cotton Bowl three to nothing. And, you know, eventually they, they cracked, and I think they just got tired. I mean, Ohio State has an excellent defense, but they're not deep, particularly on defensive line, and I think eventually they got worn down. Um, but they seemed hell-bent 
on winning that game three to nothing. Jack Sawyer had three sacks. Uh, you had another, what, like three from other guys. They were they were playing their asses off. And it just it's so frustrating to see that kind of effort on that side of the ball. And then on the offensive side of the ball, it just felt like nobody knew what the hell they were doing. So that wouldn't be, I mean, if you're Iowa, that's, that's, you know, that's SOP. That That's what you're supposed to do. That That's, that's understandable, right? Like nobody's shocked by that. If you're an Iowa or another like defensive minded team doesn't understand what they're doing on offense. But when you're Ryan day and your whole bag is I'm the offensive guru, I can get guys in you know positions to get points and yards, no matter what. Well, you've got to prove that you've got to show that. And like, no, you don't have your best offensive player on the field. But on the other hand, like, you've got a lot of really, really good dudes. And I don't know, it, it to me, there's got to be a lot of good news in the weeks coming after this for me to feel good about 2024. There hasn't sense. been in the days afterwards. Well, not in the days afterwards, but in the immediate aftermath. If we're talking about guys coming back, I guess is my point, right? Because you've seen um, in the past few days, right? Uh, some transfers, right? Uh, Bryson Rogers left. Uh, um, I think what Noah Rogers is out. Like that's that's two significant uh, wide receivers uh, coming out. Noah Rogers, obviously from the twenty twenty three recruiting class. Obviously, you are bringing a lot of dudes in, but you better hope a guy like Emeka comes back. You better hope a guy like Trayvon Henderson comes back, because otherwise, you are going to be really flailing when it comes to. Uh, elite offensive talent at skill positions, uh, at least proven offensive talent at skill positions in 2024. And, you know, again, if, if bowl games serve any purpose for prognostication or how you feel about a program, it's showcasing what a team is capable of the next season. And if that was the argument from Ohio state, uh, that's, (laughs) that does not spell good things for 2024 no and the other thing like you know that was more that hasn't really gotten uh as much like circulation in terms of like just news traction but was still like kind of uh obsessed about in the comments about the mm-hmm. Hensman thing was the the nil stuff that he talked about specifically right like, what was going on with two of the recruits that Ohio State lost to Miami, but then mm-hmm. also one offensive line recruit that very uh, bodaciously, I don't know if that's the right word, but came <laughs> came into the room and said, I, I, I demand a million dollars. And they're like, all right, chief, we like, we don't even get paid. Like, let's, let's calm down there. So right. it's like, there's, if, and I believe I could have this wrong, but that recruit that is alleged to have come and demanded a million dollars and then gone to Miami where presumably they could have supported that. I'm not even sure that that recruit won their starting job this year. And that just kind of speaks to the alarming chasm between where some of college football is right now and where like Ohio state is. And the reality that kind of stinks in, in looking at that is not only is it, kind of out there now what Ohio State is doing in terms of valuing players that you know really need to be in the prove it capacity but then right. also like it it stinks to see the presumed top talent in the sport find itself in positions where 
they're already being paid as much, if not more than they would get with their equivalent draft position in the NFL. And that like, not only does that put the top talent in a position where it's hard for them to like realistically get better, or like improve their draft stock or like do really because like not all of these like five-star recruits are going to be like getting first round, second round positioning in the NFL that are like going to Miami, which has just not been producing like consistently NFL talent in the range in the way that like Ohio state has over the last decade. Right. So as you continue to not see the top talent in the sport, go to where the best developmental places are, it's going to water down the overall product and it puts Ohio state in a position where they aren't necessarily getting the best team that they otherwise would have, which we've already seen it have kind of a vampiric effect with two or three instances, you know, that have just been referenced recently in terms of losing talent to places even you know beyond the sec that aren't even necessarily competitors like i miami still hasn't i don't think made a college football playoff in comparison to ohio state and we're still the school is still losing that kind of talent to teams that aren't even realistically threatening the same goals so it's yeah it's a bizarre environment we find ourselves in now it is and i think ohio state I mean, one of the priorities that they're making is we're going to try to retain guys that we have and focus on the skill players, you know, in terms of money and things like that. But honestly, how are you going to throw a ball to a dude if the quarterback's being pressured immediately every time they drop back, right? Like that, and, and that's something they got to figure out. If you're going to try to develop an offensive line and, you know, let's keep these guys here for three or four years and, and you know, build something great well that's fine but you got to make sure that that happens and i think you know they've brought in justin fry and, and that's fine but i think this is a developmental cycle for ohio state where some of the deficiencies that they have had on the lines you know particularly an offensive line but you've seen it sometimes at defensive line too although i will say that you know if jack sawyer comes you know jack sawyer uh and all these other guys like they have clearly gotten better, I think, as the season has gone on. Um, but you haven't seen that from the offensive line. And you you want to be peaking at the end of the season because of the way it's structured, because you're going to be playing Michigan, because you want to get, you know, in the college football playoff and, and uh, you know, win the Big Ten championship and all that kind of stuff. And we just didn't see that. And I think part of that is a result of not managing the transfer portal very well when it comes to offensive line uh, transfer. I mean, you got a guy at the beginning of the season who did not make a huge impact, and you wanted that. Um, and I also think part of it's just development in general uh, at that position. So, you know, money is a part of it, and and how much you're willing to to part and to you know bring in top transfer talent. And some of it is, you know, maybe you just got to get better at coaching these guys up. It's going to be interesting. I mean, if we're talking about, first of all, I think it's a guarantee at this point that they're bringing in a quarterback, right? Right. I don't, I don't think anybody is under <laughs> any allude. I don't know who they're going to get. We necessarily. wanted Cam Ward a few weeks ago and now he's going to the NFL. So yeah, it's Cam, like, are they even going to get someone good? Well, so here's the maybe thing. Maybe Quinn actually, Ewers will jump in the portal. <laughs> that's right. But that, you know what though, but that actually speaks to what you were just saying though, because 
it is such a weird situation. Cam Ward basically, you know, shopped around and said, all right, what are you going to give me? And he realized that no school could match what the NFL was going to give him. And so he's going to go to the NFL. He's, I don't know, you know, where he's projected exactly, but he's probably going to make some solid cash doing so. And I don't think any school is willing to give him what he was demanding. And that's fine. That's, you know, good for him for doing that. Now, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, uh, you know, what Ohio State's going to do. Prior to this, I think Ohio State was of the mind that, okay, well, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to bring in somebody and then all of a sudden two of our guys leave and then you're left with nobody. But at this point, you've got a Devin Brown who gets injured all the time and can't be relied on to be on the field. You've got Lincoln Keenholz who has basically zero experience, you know, of value whatsoever. You are bringing Aaron Nolan, who I think I am super high on Aaron Nolan. I think he's going to be very, very good. But until then, you've, you've got very little experience. So, you know, people have been talking about Will Howard um, out of uh, out of Kansas State. I think that's probably real. I think that noise is, is probably legit. But at that point, he doesn't, you know, Will Howard he's not going to be CJ Stroud, right? He's not going to be coming in and, and lighten up the world immediately. And I think that's the problem is that, again, going back to this idea that Ryan Day's really got to um, come up with something interesting, something unique. He's got the entire offseason to do it, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on this dude um, in 2024. And, you know, as I think as easy as, uh, you know, kind of that ramp up was here, uh, this season in 2023, that's not going to be the case in 2024. Like you've got some really difficult games that you're going to have to be ready to go for like immediately. And if you don't do that, then you're in trouble. And I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how people uh, handle that and react to that uh, next season. Cause you got to, you know, you got to play Oregon at Oregon. Um, you know, you better beat Michigan cause they're losing half their team after all of this. And we're going to talk about Michigan here in a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, you get to play, you know, Akron, Western Michigan, Marshall to start the season, but I don't know, man, it's, you better, this is a prove it year, I think for Ryan Day. I'm saying he's going to get fired or anything like that, but it's, it's going to set a tone and it'll be interesting to see how people, um, you know, what kind of leash he's given by both fans and administration, especially with the new AD. You know, I tried not to, after Devin Brown got hurt or even before that i i tried not to have super high expectations for the cotton bowl but one thing that really did bother me was just that how evident it became that the team was petrified after he got hurt just because it it spoke to how much they invested in devon or like just hedging against Devin Brown, not getting, getting hurt, I guess, which was well, that, not a good a strategy I, because of right. how, what his injury history was this year. Yes. And, and, and I know exactly what you're saying, right? They had a concept. They're like, okay, we've got Devin Brown at quarterback. This is our game plan. And then when that went out the window, when he got hurt, which again, as you said, shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody. They had nothing. They had nothing. Because it also felt like Lincoln Keinholz in some ways was better suited to run the game plan that they conceptually would have wanted with Devin Brown than Devin Brown. Because not only Devin Brown is interestingly like kind of built to be this mobile quarterback, but he's not necessarily like quick nor like evasive. So he, he really just gets like a 
a Carlos Hyde, like three and a half to four <laughs> yards per carry every time right. it just kind of falls forward. But then he, he's not built like a running back, so he gets like injured very, very regularly. And we, you know, the, his, his, how he initially got hurt in that game was even bizarre with his cleat getting like stuck in the turf or whatever. It was just such a weird I mean, circumstance. Yeah, terrible luck for that dude. But, yeah. Also, but, he fumbled on that play, which I think is kind of on brand as well. Um, uh, don't, don't concede that because ESPN <laughs> is still doing everything in their power to prove that it happened, but <laughs> I don't know. It was that. I don't even remember. If no, that, that was, was a different play. play. That was, okay. that was different. Yeah. That was All a different right. one. Which, in any all, again, also speaks to why are you letting this dude run all the time? Because it's not it's not within his skill set. I mean, I know it's ostensibly supposed to be, but it's really not. Um, not when you fumble that often and get hurt that, that much. But so. if the plan was for this quarterback that has gotten injured multiple times this season to run a you know physical game plan, you presumably would want to have your backup quarterback whatever option it is more prepared to run with the first team than Kineholtz evidently was. So that was, that was disappointing to see. And that would fit the narrative that, you know, was kind of now surfaced coming out of the cotton bowl that the team didn't have as much preparation as it did, you know, maybe for uh, previous postseason. So, well, you know, live and learn, um, We'll we'll see who sticks around going into twenty twenty four. Uh it'll be an interesting spring game for sure, but we uh <laughs> we still gotta see what kind of uh even staff turnover there is because with, you know, players like Jesse Murko hitting the portal this weekend, which, you know, shocked a lot of people, uh it'll you know, there's still speculation about who's who's staying and who's going, not just uh in school, but also on staff. You know what? I'm not. I'm not super sad about Jesse Mirko hitting the the transfer portal. He did not have a very good season. However, he did he show was okay, out. But his Michigan game was brutal. Oh, his Michigan game was brutal. He was awful. But if there is a time for that dude to uh, to to test the waters of the portal, it would be right after the Cotton Bowl, in which he was like badass. He was. He actually did a great job. Offensive MVP. He he literally probably was. He averaged almost fifty yards a punt. So uh, you know, you know, if that if that guy can find a good landing spot, more power to him. Um yeah, and like I said, just to kind of circle back around to the my other point here, I, I really am sad about this um kind of wasting the defensive performance because I thought they were just unbelievably good. You know, Cody Schrader is one of the better running backs in the country. He's an incredible story. He's still got about 130 on the ground, but it took him like almost 30 carries, carries to get there. They did a great job against him. Brady Cook is a really good quarterback. They pretty much shackled him for most of the game. Um, they did a great job. They were, they were fantastic the entire time against a veteran quarterback, against a really good running back. Uh, and it's just, it's really unfortunate that the offensive side of the ball was in such disarray. So, you know, I don't know what this means for 2024. Like I said, the spring game, I think it's really interesting that the past few seasons the spring game has felt like super, super consequential. <laughs> Cause like now I really, really care about what the quarterback play looks like and you know, which players are coming back. But if you want to feel good at all as an Ohio state fan after this game, um, that's going to be determined, I think by which players are going to be, um, 
testing the waters of the transfer portal, which players are going to be going to the NFL and which players are coming back. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. Uh, let's get into Ask Us Anything. But before we do that, we want to remind you that we are sponsored by One Medical. So here's a few words from them. The best defense is a good offense, and that goes for your health too. That's why One Medical, the modern doctor's office, is changing the playbook for primary care. With four C-Bus locations and 24-7 virtual care, One Medical helps Buckeye stay healthy. And the relationship with OSU's Wexner Medical Center makes it easy to get access to specialists. To get your 30-day free trial, visit onemedical.com and use the code TRY1MCOL. That's T-R-Y, the number one, M-C-O-L. All righty. Thank you to One Medical for being our sponsor all Ohio State season. We very much appreciate it. Let's do Ask Us Anything. We have a ton of them, so we're going to just flash through these things as quickly as possible. If you want to... Uh, if you want to ask us anything, you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. This one's from Gary. Do you think Day is waiting to see how the quarterbacks do in the bowl game before jumping into the portal and pissing off the current quarterbacks in the program? Yes, as I alluded to earlier, I think they were initially worried about that. They were worried about guys going, okay, well, if, if you're bringing in some hotshot quarterback outside, then we're out of here. And now I think at the at this point, they don't care. I think, you know, they'll, they'll focus their energies on Will Howard and see what they can get. And I can't see them not bringing in somebody at this point, honestly. I feel like that's got to be priority one. Air Nolan, 2024. <laughs> honestly, honestly, depending who comes back, Let's say a lot of these dudes don't come back. Let's say a lot of them just say, screw it, I'm out of here. Or let's I, I say, say they don't want to pay the portal price, which is okay. like a million dollars for everybody. Fair, same deal. I honestly roll with Aaron Nolan, right? Like for real. Like let get this guy some experience. Let him get some game time stuff. If 2024 sucks, fine. Uh, I think he's legit enough. I think he's really, really good. Watch his tape. Um, I think the dude is going to be really good i think it's gonna be really good uh okay this is from joshua f what is your favorite christmas memory george oh god uh <laughs> is it the time that you like thwarted two robbers from you know stealing all the christmas stuff no i think it was i got i got like there was like this like lego vikings like set like or series or whatever and i got like every set piece one christmas and i spent the day putting all of them together and all the nfl games were on and the bears were playing the packers and the bears like beat the packers pretty badly i can't remember what year it was but Favre was the quarterback so you know evil empire up there in green bay that's right and i got to see i don't remember what bears quarterback it was but they won and it was you know feel feel good vibes all around great christmas there you go i will say i mean a lot of it's centered around presents right like something you really remember when you were a kid but i remember when we got our nintendo 64 when i was like 10 or 11 years old and uh I mean, we spent all day just like doing, like, I think we got two or three games with it and we spent all day just like playing it and it was sick. And it, everybody was playing it. It was like the whole family, everybody was having a great time. We're just I chilling. was never allowed to have one of those. Very oh, jealous. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, we were, we were just doing Mario Kart and Wave Race or whatever it was. And it was, it was a good time. I, that was fun. I do remember that. That was, that was pretty good. Uh, and by the way, that's also the same question that our good friend Alvin asked. Uh, 
I want to add another thing on that. I had a really terrible uh, Christmas once. We we spent it in the hospital one time. Uh, my we had a kind of a family emergency, and uh, I will say so. It all worked out fine. It was everything was okay. It was an incredibly stressful couple of days, um, but I do remember it was like the day after Christmas. There was this, you know, when we found out everything was fine and there wasn't a big deal. Um, I just remember the an unbelievable sense of relief. Like I didn't even care about any of the other stuff going around Christmas. I was just like, make sure everybody's fine, everybody's healthy, everybody's safe. And once we got that, I was just that 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 burden off my shoulders was unbelievable. So I I do remember that very vividly as well. Um, um, Christmas like ten years ago this year, so not this most recent one, but this mm-hmm. coming year will be the anniversary of the first thing I ever published in sports writing. That's cool. All right. Which was the Bulls Lakers preview for that Christmas game. That's that's pretty cool. That was when SB Nation, the team sites were an empire. Now, that's right. <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it is what it is. I mean, eleven warriors were the we're the cockroach that will never be. <laughs> we'll, we'll continue to. Empires, empires are built and collapse, but 11 warriors will always be scurrying around. This is a dynasty over here where we transcended an empire. That's right. Um, More like a monopoly. By the way, this is a really interesting question. It has nothing to do with Christmas or the holidays. Uh, Guys, this is from Kevin. Uh, What do you feel is the appropriate age to have, quote, the talk with children? That's a great question. I Jeez. like. I'm a dad. I think about that a lot. I've been a teacher for a long time, been an educator. Uh, that's a great question. What do you think? I, I, I want to know what you think first. I'm not this. a dad. Don't ask me. This is a question. No, it's for still. You. What you're a human being. You oh, were a kid God. at one point. Did you ever have the talk with your parents? I never did, by the way. Yeah, my I, my I I had to talk too late. Um, so <laughs> probably I don't know. I. I <clears throat> it's a tough question right yeah it is because like honestly i i think it really just depends on the person uh it's, yeah, so it depends it's on the not kid. really like I, yeah it's not really something that you can just read by age i agree um so i don't know here's it's what i'll always, say it's always any time that you're like this is why I think it's a more appropriate thing for like a parent relationship than like any adult speculating on a child. That's why I don't really <laughs> think it's my place to like give an answer for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I think um, middle school range is probably what I would say is appropriate, but okay. like earlier middle school than later, I think yes. is what I would hedge on. Well, and here's what I'll say, because first of all, I do think they're, I mean, like sex ed, all that stuff that absolutely needs to be talked about in schools, because here's the thing. A lot of parents just won't do it like at all. Um, and I say that as an educator, somebody who's been, you know, teaching kids for a long time, you know, helping kids and all that stuff. Uh, a lot of parents just don't do it, period. So it, there has to be a role for that in the schools um, and uh, people who, you know, who aren't aware of how little sometimes infrastructure there is would be shocked. If, what I suggest, what I suggest people do is go on the state of Ohio. If you're in Ohio and go on the state of Ohio, Ohio department of education website, look up the model curriculums for English, for math, any kind of math, doesn't matter, uh, social studies, whatever. And then look up the model curriculum for health. 
because the model curriculum for social studies is about 150 pages long. The model curriculum for health is two pages long. And I just want people to understand how little thought has been put into some of this. And, and it's, it's kind of shocking. So if the schools aren't doing it, the parents are going to do it. The parents don't want to do it. School's got to do it. I think there's roles for both here. Uh, here's what I'll say. I agree with you. It's, it definitely depends on the kid, how mature they are, where they're at in life, all that stuff. My blanket answer, though, would be earlier than you think. And kids are exposed to stuff through their friends, through media, through social media, all kinds of stuff uh, at a very, very early age, much earlier, honestly, than even when I was a kid, when you were a kid, George. Um, and so I, I think earlier than you think. I, I, I really would say that. I don't think there's a blanket statement to be made, but like even fourth, fifth grade, th those are the kind of things we're going to have to start approaching those subjects with kids because they hear stuff, they see stuff, and they need, they need context. They need to be able to contextualize it. So, yeah, and see, you're an educator. You are a champion of empowering the youth with knowledge. So you're more right. credentialed to make an answer like that than some guy like well, me. I don't know about that, but we'll see. Uh, so, okay, this is from Bryant. Um, he says, ho, 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 hope you got everything you wanted for Christmas. Ask us anything. Which bowl game has the worst name? <laughs> God, I was talking about this with my family. That's so funny. Really? What did you What did you come up with? Uh, I hate the Gasparilla one. Bowl. I know that the Gasparilla is a thing. I know it's like whatever in Southern, like Florida. I don't. It sounds stupid. It sounds really dumb. Uh, there was one that's like it was something dot com bowl, and it already had like a sponsor before it. I like. I, I need yeah. to bring up the list of bowl games because I don't want to flub it. Some of the, the sponsors have always been really, really stupid. Um, no, but now they're doubling up on sponsors is the issue. So it's like you can do one, but now they do like the something bowl presented by something something. Oh, and there's I know. One yeah. that's like, there's one that's so bad. I remember when uh, the Fiesta Bowl, it was like Battle Frog, I think, is what it was at one point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Which, again, yeah. just leans into... That had to be pre-COVID. Pre <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. It was. Because Ohio State, I think, played in it, wasn't it? It was the Battle Frog Oh, Fiesta here it Bowl. is. Here it is. It's the Military Bowl presented by GoBowling.com. <laughs> <laughs> that's awful that's and so also the, and runner up the bad boy mowers pinstripe boy. oh my god that one's really oh my god that one's really bad uh cherry i'm looking at a list cherry bundy boca raton bowl there you go that's something that people want to say 500 times during the course of a game uh, beef O'Brady's, the Beef O'Brady's Bowl. I forgot about that. <laughs> Most of these are pretty pedestrian this year. It's just the ones with dot .com in them. They yes. just can't deal with that. Yeah, and there was a ton of that in the early 2000s when like, oh, everybody's got a website. Oh my gosh, go to our website. So one of the early ones, the official name for it was the Starco Brands LA Bowl hosted by Gronk. <laughs> Hosted by Gronk had to be included in the title of that. Make sure we you say it every time. That's awful. There's some really bad ones. That's a great question. I like that. The avocados from Mexico. Oh, cure bowl. Jesus. It's so bad. Because the cure for what most ails you, Johnny. Is avocados. From Mexico. 
from Mexico. Oh yeah, you got to say from Mexico because that's the name of the brand. If you don't say it, then they get very angry and upset. Um, Do you see that article from the Athletic that was like one of the ways we can fix the college football postseason is with more brands? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's stupid. Oh, it wasn't Nicole Arbuck's finest hour. Oh my god! And I generally like her, but that was that's that's a bad take. That's an extremely bad take. Um, I remember, I like all the really old archaic bowls. Like they used to do one, uh, like in Tokyo at one point. I think they remember. I think they need to like bring those back. Oh, the Houston Bowl at one point was called the GalleryFurniture.com Bowl. That one's good. That one's excellent. Oh my god, these are bad. There was something called the Salad Bowl at one point. The Raisin Bowl. I'm looking at bowls from like the 50s and 40s. Um. The Little Caesars Bowl ran for about, what, about 16 years? Good for them. So a lot of bad ones out there. That's a good question. Did you, did you see the, the Cheez-It Bowl yesterday? Like, they they did, like, they tried to do a whole cool mascot thing, like, with oh, the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Do right. you think that that was, like, their plan going in, or they saw the pop that the Pop-Tarts Bowl thing got? And they were like, we got to get a piece of that. So they overhauled their marketing plan and like a window of like three or four days to just like do the, the cheapest mock of the same shit that the, that the pop tarts bowl did, now, but with a cheese it cracker. <laughs> if they did, if they did, that's, that's kind of funny. I mean, they um, basically had to come out of a toaster and like dance on top of a fireworks display and the same exact thing that they did with the pop tart. But I don't know the if they thing. ate a giant cheese it. I don't know if you could make that in 72 hours. But. but see, this is me being super cynical, though, right? Pop-Tarts is owned by Kellogg's, right? Okay. Right. Cheese it also owned by Kellogg's. So, oh, so they just painted, they got, so, they like painted over the thing. That's right. And I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith that this was some like natural, like funny thing that they were doing. I feel like this was corporate. This is all planned months in advance by corporate where they're like, okay, we got one brand and we got the other brand. And now we're going to set these two brands against each other. And like, ah, it's all organic, but it's not because it's just bought up in some boardroom somewhere. So that's my take on that. Uh, This is from Matt in Minneapolis, um, which is more ironic. Someone wearing a Bass Pro Shop shirts who don't fish or won't bait a hook. Terrible song, we're, by the way. We're two weeks later, we're still talking about Bass Pro Shop. I know. <laughs> or, or someone wearing a Carhartt sweatshirt who doesn't know the difference between a Phillips and a flathead screwdriver, asking for my middle age, my middle school, my middle age son, my middle school age son who sees both on a daily basis. So, in other words, which is worse, the Bass Pro Shops people who don't fish, or the Carhartt people who don't know how to fix a car? You know what? I've never seen a Carhartt. Like I, I couldn't place that brand, so I'm going to say that one because you know I, I I have no beef with the Bass Pro Shop fashion enthusiasts. We've talked, yeah, we talked about Bass Pro Shops last time. Uh, you know, I I genuinely like Bass Pro Shops. I'm not. I wouldn't wear Bass Pro Shops ironically. I would wear it unironically, but I don't. I you know, I don't, I don't hate on people do that. The Carhartt stuff is really interesting because I think there's this. Um, I think there's this kind of like fad or whatever you want to call it, like with younger people trying to make older brands that are 
like lame but make him like cool like you with champion for a while right like champion i mean people are still wearing that but champion for a long time was not considered to be a cool brand that people would wear it was like i i can't know. remember if we talked about it like on like recording or not but like that's like what rick and morty did with shonies oh yeah 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 uh, exactly right <laughs> where it's like well it's this thing and you know or the or the everybody the loves shonies <laughs> right Right, it's I've this, seen it's this one Shoney's in, in like Southeast Ohio my entire life. I've never seen it anywhere else. It's not good. It's bad. Uh, but that's but that's the thing. But they I think serve it's like, alcohol, and that's what's important. Well, then that makes it slightly better. So I don't know. I like the Bass Pro Shops thing. If if kids want to wear it ironically, and I'll wear it unironically, but they don't know I'm wearing it unironically, then I'm fine with it. Carhartt stuff's a little weird because. You know, I used to deliver auto parts. I did that for a couple of years, and uh, a lot of people wearing Carhartt stuff, but it's because they're mechanics, and you know, it's kind of the thing. So I, I don't know. I the Carhartt stuff kind of bugs me a little bit more because it definitely seems more like they're just trying to appropriate like a tough guy cool look. Where the Bass Pro Shops is kind of like obviously ironic. Um, this is such Carhartt an stuff, American thing, getting emotional over brands. It <laughs> bothers you. It bothers you that these, these really fake not. mechanics would would wear the Carhartt colors over their hearts. <laughs> you frauds. You stolen valor mechanics. <laughs> that's, that's How right. dare you? <laughs> that's right. That is that's stolen valor. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> get over it let people let the girls wear bass pro shop That's hats right. let the boys that don't know how their cars work wear the car hard you know hoodies. what mechanics don't know how car works how, how cars work anymore anyway too they just know how to break them for more money that's right. Well, it's because it's, everything's electronic and, you know, uh, electrical and they don't know how to, it's, it's a whole, it's actually a problem. Like a lot of mechanics are like, Oh crap, what do we do with this? Uh, anyway, Alvin, here's another one from Alvin our good friend, Alvin, happy new year. Any new year's resolutions? Do you, do you do the new year's resolutions, George? No, I don't by the way, because I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I have a bad habit of like, starting to go to the gym again in like december and then i know and then just as i'm like getting in a rhythm of like oh this is so nice i see the resolutioners show up in like waves and and it's so funny how it it's like you give it three weeks after that and like the people that are still doing it after three weeks are going to be there for three months but nobody that makes it through those first three weeks you're like yeah i'll see you again next january but It's so brutal for those people that resolve themselves to go to the gym or have been going to the gym prior to that, and then everything gets more crowded. The worst was when I was in school at the uh, the RPAC, and I oh, would goodness. use the pool, and I would just need – I would try to do like 10 – and like I would do about 20 minutes of, of swimming, but you would – like going back in January, you would be needing to share the lanes with like two people, like compared to where in the month before that you could very easily at like five o'clock in the afternoon have a lane to yourself for 20 minutes. So it was, it was so, so bad. And I can, I only imagine it's gotten worse in the years since, because that was like over 10 years ago for me. So, well, and like, I don't, you know, more power to anybody who wants to get out there and work out and try to make an effort. Like that's, that's hard to do, especially I haven't done it for a while. 
However, I do. You think should that put do... it off for a month and start in <laughs> February. Well, here's what I'll say. I just want people to know basic like gym etiquette before doing that. Like do, you know, again, more power to you. Do whatever you want. But just like don't leave all your, you know, like if you're going to do dumbbells, don't just leave them out everywhere, right? Like don't don't just leave them where you put them or like don't take up three bench, benches at a time and like spread your stuff out. Like have some consideration if for people, people walk in front of your TikTok recording, don't yeah, don't have a right. cow. That's right. Don't I haven't encountered out. that myself, but I see that that's like become an issue for for people now. I have I have seen that too. I feel like in Miami you're going to encounter it sooner or later. I feel like that's going to be a thing. Um last question. So Kevin asked us a question we kind of already answered about quarterbacks, but last question here this is another one from Matt. Uh is Ryan Day Mark Richt 2.0? <laughs> like I know people are saying he's like Cooper 2.0. Uh, he might be Bob Stoops 2.0, right? Like get everybody home in time to see the kids and, you know, get a good eight hours of sleep every night. I don't know what Ryan Day is. I don't either. I, I think he's got to figure that out for himself. Too, he's lost honestly. my benefit of the doubt. That's, that's all I know. And that's, and that's fair. And, and I would agree with that too. Um, this is, that's what I mean by 2024 is a prove it season. And, uh, he's got to show us who he is and, you know. When, when he lets it fly, we've seen it. We have seen it. We have seen him do wildly different things on a year-to-year basis and score 45 points a game. But he's got to get back to that. And uh, like I said, this is a this is a, a prove-it season for him. So we'll see how that goes. All right. That was Ask Us Anything. Thank you for sending in those questions. Dubcast at 11warriors.com. We love answering them, especially the, the more interesting, thought-provoking uh, thought ones. Let's talk about, however briefly, <laughs> I don't know how long we want to get into it. We can talk about the college football playoff semifinals. Uh, the the game, okay, so Washington, Texas, all right? Amazing game. I mean, but honestly, the, the semifinals, after being, having been denigrated for a while, uh, have turned in some really good things uh, in the past couple seasons here. Washington... Texas was sick, was legit. Michael Penix showed, I think, why he's definitely, you know, I think one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, uh, Texas made a game of it. They they almost pulled it off. But uh, in the end, the uh, the Huskies won and uh, are moving on to the championship. So first of all, we'll get to Michigan, trust me. But just briefly, what were some of your thoughts on uh, the, the bowl game against uh, Texas and Washington? Quinn Ewers, get in the portal, buddy. That's that's my thought. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, you know what? I mean, I most of my emotions yesterday were invested in the first game. So after sure. uh, Bama, you know, blew it, I was kind of spent. But it was uh, it was nice to see that game play out in competitive fashion too. Um, I don't think yeah, Ewers, Ewers necessarily had a bad game, so no, it will was... be interesting to see what he uh, opts to end up doing because there's, I mean, there was so much, it, it really felt like the media was piling on to the, I mean, literally represented by the reporters pooling around Arch Manning and leaving <laughs> Quinn Ewers alone at the podium. It's right. like everybody's trying to like, at least if not usher that guy out of Texas, at least usher him out of the job. 
and you would hope that he at least sees that and has enough respect for himself to like control his own fate and go somewhere because he is still a good player and you would think with a supporting cast like the one ohio state has and with the rapport that he already has with ryan day (laughs) why would you not at least explore that dude what if he does i don't know I, I don't see that happening. I think that would be hilarious if he did. I think that would be, I would be. They would don't be. love you like you think they do down there, Quinn. We'll let you grow that mullet back. <laughs> I You know what? He had a pretty good game. He didn't complete a ton of his passes. He was like 55% or something, but he still threw for over 300 yards. Uh, he, he was picking up first downs with his feet. He did a good job on that. I mean, almost like, you know, it. 360 total yards for the game, something like that. You're going to be overshadowed by Michael Penix Jr.'s performance because he threw for 430 freaking yards, uh, 76% completion percentage. I mean, he's he's the real deal. Now, granted, he's 24 years old and he's been playing. But is it good enough to beat Michigan? I don't know. And, and we're going to find that out. And we can talk about that in a second. I The thing is about Washington is that they go, as Michael Penix Jr. goes, He's mobile enough. He's talented enough to where he can make up for a lot of the deficiencies in ways that a guy like Kyle McCord couldn't. Right. And, and I think that's when you're really kind of looking at this. Um, I think that is the key difference between like a serviceable quarterback and an elite quarterback. Washington doesn't have a great defense. Uh, they did not do well against the run against Texas. Texas was able to, to really um, grind them down a little bit. And I think part of it was, they, I mean, they should have stuck with the run. They should have. But because they were playing from behind, I think they felt obligated to, you know, to air it out as much as they did and, you know, throw 43 times. But uh, that's going to be a worry for them in the championship game if they can't stop the run. Now, I am not someone who is super, super high on uh, Blake Corum or especially Donovan Edwards. But on the other hand, they are more than capable at any point in time of breaking off huge runs or having a series where they just dominate and take over the game. So because of that, uh, I think Washington, they're going to have to, I mean, Michael Penix is going to have to throw like 50 times in that game. He's, he's going to have to have another performance where he's throwing for 400 some yards um, because I'm not super confident in their ability to, uh, to go nose to nose with Michigan and, and just kind of grind things out. As far as the mission game went, uh, you know, with them in Alabama, I had, you know, Michigan was a favorite going to the Rose Bowl. They, uh, I think they held up much better than I expected, especially at uh, offensive line. I think the offensive line probably played really well. Trim Moore, uh, offensive corner for uh, Michigan, was absolutely in his bag the entire game. That dude had an unbelievable play calling uh thing they did a lot of the same stuff they did against ohio state where you had like the little you know reverse passes and that kind of stuff uh but those last two drives against bama and regulation were absolutely backbreakers and uh i just you know we talked about this when they went to overtime i was like i didn't feel super confident now you were right in that alabama's field goal uh kicker was was on point but um yeah, I just don't think they had an answer for what uh, Sharon Moore was. They about. they beat themselves too many times, and even and even yes. and for what Sharon Moore like did well, like on that fourth down conversion, like the the why was 
why, a quorum wide open. Yeah, why in the was flat. it completely uncovered? Because right, right. there was a busted coverage. And right. why did they get the ball back on the drive before? Because they fumbled it away in a situation yes. where they could have gone ahead by two scores and really, like, you know, stuck it to them. And how they, many terrible snaps were there, right? Saban literally wasting. mouthed on the sidelines. The broadcast pointed out, we're beating ourselves. And that's yeah. really what happened. Yeah, and I, I, I would agree with that. I think there was a lot of Alabama miscues and mistakes. Michigan gets a lot of bounces going their way somehow. I don't know why they are so, like, touched by the finger of God when it comes to this. But, like, you know, that fumble on the, on the like, on the muff kick where they, the guy, like, that could have been a safety. That the would have been the end of the game. pass that still went right <laughs> on the money. That's right. The tip cast. the last drive. That, that's right. That went right. Yeah, Sharon Moore. Yeah, just how we drew it up. Right, that's Chief? Right. That's right. And it was a great play goal, but again, like one of those things where if that were an Ohio State Michigan thing, like you know, but it doesn't, you know. If History is written by the, the winners. It's the tragic truth of the the sport and sports and uh, the world we live in. And yeah. the more that they keep winning, the more that they'll just get to set what the record says about what this season is. So we we really just got to give our we got to raise our hands to the sky and give our spirit energy to Michael Penix. <laughs> That's right. Do and, the spirit just, bomb to right. Penix, and he'll just destroy them the very we end. Can't, I, yeah, because if Michigan wins the title, I mean, even if it gets revoked, everyone's still going to have the memory of them. Oh, yeah. It. People, and that was the other thing. People and were telling claim me that, oh, it's the NCAA. They're sour grapes, whatever. Right. I had people at work saying like, oh, well, it'll just get revoked. I'm like, nobody cares about that. No one cares if they like gets rescinded or anything like that. It doesn't matter. Everyone knows who won the national championship. They, they're, that's not going to take away anything from it. Um, I don't think any less of like Ohio State's victory against Arkansas. I think, what was that also? I think it was a Sugar Bowl too. Um, you know, because it had to be, you know, revoked by the inside. I don't care about that. That doesn't you know take away from that at all. Uh JJ McCarthy, here's the thing, man. Like if he wasn't winning consistently, JJ McCarthy would be the most annoying dude on the planet because they show him doing the stuff like, oh, I'm meditating underneath the goalposts and taking off my shoes. And it's like, man, if you lost against Alabama, we would be dogging on you so hard. He did not have a great game. He had some really stupid errant throws. Um Honestly, Michigan defensively dominated the first half, but they, I mean, it was a 10 to 13 game going into it because they couldn't convert on basically anything. Um, I mean, Alabama's a really cool. They get like the worst Bama team in the last 15 (laughs) years. Ohio state gets the best one. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and like the thing is, man, I mean, you look at the stats, Blake Corum, you know, 83 yards, 4.4 yards per carry. That's right on brand for him the entire season. Donovan Edwards, 11 yards, 2.8 yards. Like nobody really is jumping out at you on any of the stat lines for Michigan, except their defensive line. If there is one part of Michigan that is truly elite, and I mean like going back the last five or 10 years, I would put their defensive line up against anybody. They have an incredibly good defensive line, but more importantly, they roll like 10 dudes deep. Every single one of those guys would be a starter on pretty much every other team. And they've got 10 of them. And that's what's keeping them in games. They, they fart around on offense for an entire half. They, you know, squander opportunities. They look terrible on special teams. It doesn't matter because they've got a defensive line that is harassing dudes on every single play. Um, 
it does make me feel slightly better about the Michigan losses here because, you know, if Alabama's having trouble with these dudes, I don't think it's wholly up to Ohio State and saying, like, oh, we're just idiots and don't know how to play. But uh, that's really what makes them different from other teams. And, you know, I don't know how much of an impact that's going to have in the national championship against Washington, but the fact that Penix was running around a little bit and, um, you know, it didn't feel like Washington was really dominating at the point of attack, despite the fact that, you know, Penix had so many yards. That does give me a little bit of pause. That does make me worry a little bit. Um, on the other hand, if JJ McCarthy goes out and throws an interception immediately, that, like, if that, if his foot is an inch, I truly believe this, if his foot is, is an inch to, like, his right. Alabama wins that game. That's it. That's over because that gets in his head and they don't know how they're going to play call. And that's, that would have been exactly like the beginning of the Ohio state Michigan game. And that would have changed everything. And the fact that they got a do over on that, uh, I think was everything. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like, how do you think it goes? How do you, how do you think that goes? What, how do you think the Michigan Washington matchup ends up? Uh, I'm, I'm really trying not to think about it too much because I mean, I've technically been alive when Michigan's been like eligible or claimed a national championship in 1997, but I have no con, I have no conscious memory of college football before the 2002 season. So like I, that doesn't bother me. I was dreading. Michigan having the opportunity to play for two national championships in basketball in recent Mm. seasons and was, you know, treated to two very, very uh, good performances in which they kind of got spanked in each of those, particularly the most recent one in which they got clowned by a glorified bench player in Dante DiVincenzo. So (laughs) that was, that was a bit of a saving grace moment. All time name, by the way. Well, I'm it's worried fantastic. that my my luck in that capacity is starting to run out. Um, yeah. I I want to believe Michigan gets it done. I mean, Penix has been like incredible all season, and if he wins, he's gonna go down as probably one of the best quarterbacks to never win the Heisman Trophy because mm-hmm. he probably would have deserved it this year over Daniels, if not for like, oh, the the stats are so amazing. Oh my god. Uh, it'll be one of those things that we look back on in hindsight and think like, oh, you know what? This guy might have actually been the best player because he like did it consistently all season against the best teams, put up mm-hmm. all these crazy stats. So if he ends up pulling it off against Michigan, I think he will. Um, I just I've I've seen McCarthy make the play for that team too many times um for me to feel super confident that Penix is going to be able to get it done for Washington right. but I have to just put my faith in it that it happens I'm not going to uh, I even though I'm I'm bracing for the worst I I won't allow my spirit to fully absorb the reality of it before it actually happens so yeah. i i think the huskies are going to save us from a, a much longer winner than we'd have to suffer as buckeye fans otherwise yeah i mean i obviously michigan winning a championship would just be like you know defcon one like that, that's the worst possible outcome uh for this season um 
I am not optimistic, but also I think that a you know an epic performance from Penix could get it done. Uh, they have an incredibly good wide receiver core. Uh, Michigan does not have great uh, corners, um, so we'll see what happens there. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be. Uh, <laughs> I got a lot of emotional. Uh, weight riding on this game that Ohio State is not involved in whatsoever. By the way, Dante DiVincenzo uh, still in the NBA playing for the uh, the uh, New York Knicks. Oh yeah. oh yeah, no, that game single handedly inflated his draft stock to That's right. this career he enjoys now. But, and he's doing you know averaging ten points a game, doing his thing. Good for him. So maybe that's maybe that's the thing. Maybe somebody comes up and just absolutely bites Michigan in the ass, and um, you know. We're, we're not as upset or irritated for the next many months. So anyway, that's the Dubcast for this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week to, uh, I don't know, punch ourselves in the face. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it'll just be, it'll be 60 minutes of that. They're just, you know, <laughs> just us just smacking ourselves in the head with various blunt instruments. Uh, but until All then, the headlines of the week. That's right. Until then... Uh, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you then.